0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. So here in Australia, uh, school is back. It's been back for a few weeks and hopefully your kids, if they've just started school or they're starting a new year, have settled back into school really well and hopefully you're enjoying the back-to-normal routine (laughs) as well. I know I certainly am. So I wanted to talk today about... Uh, some factors that you might want to consider if you're concerned or you want to improve your kids' learning and concentration. I know this is something that can come up early in the year when kids have a new teacher or, you know, they, they're kind of ex- they're a bit more as expected of them because they're in the next year of school. And so I thought it would be a good time to talk about some of the things that can affect our kids' learning and behavior. So there's three main things I want to sort of talk about. One is nutrition and um, I specifically want to talk about macronutrition and I'll explain more about that in a moment. And then I want to talk about another aspect of nutrition, which is the vitamins and minerals that potentially could be lacking in your child if they are having issues with concentration and learning. And the third part I want to talk about is gut health and how our kids' gut can influence their learning and behavior as well. So as I said, the first point I want to talk about is the macronutrient nutrition. And so macronutrients are the big nutrients, as the name suggests. So we're talking here about protein, carbohydrates, and fats, and the balance that kids have in these macronutrients has a big impact on not just their learning and concentration, but also their mood, their behavior, their energy levels. So it's a really important thing to be thinking about. And generally, the pattern that I see is kids that are having too many carbohydrates in their diet and they're lacking the proteins and the healthy fats, particularly at breakfast time. We think about that standard Um, Australian breakfast, and it mostly consists of cereal, which can have lots of sugar. It's definitely high in carbohydrates, which our kids do need a significant amount of carbohydrates because they're growing, they're active, but we do need to be careful that they're not getting too many of these carbohydrates. But the other thing about breakfast cereal is it's Totally lacking, often in protein and fats. Even the so-called high-protein breakfast cereals that you might see um, on the front of a breakfast cereal are fairly low compared to other breakfast options that our kids can have. Uh, so, the other, the other um, common breakfast for kids of course, is toast. And again, it's high in carbohydrates and it's lacking in those proteins and fats. So we want to think about that macronutrient balance that our kids are having at breakfast and also at lunch to kind of get them through the afternoon. You talk to a lot of teachers who say kids' concentration declines after lunch, and this can really be helped by making sure that their lunch is a good balance of macronutrients, of protein, carbohydrates and fats. So generally speaking, we want to try and get about a palm-sized portion of protein in at each of our kids' meals. This will keep them fuller for longer and it will help to balance and stabilize their blood sugar levels so there's less ups and downs in their concentration and their energy. So that could look like some nuts and seeds or some eggs at breakfast time. And if your kids are cereal eaters and there's no way – You're going to be able to move them away from that just yet, then you might just want to add some protein to what they're already having. You know, that could definitely be a first step. So, you could introduce some nuts and seeds on top of their cereal or some nuts and seeds next to their cereal, as an example. So, nuts and seeds and, and eggs are really great protein and healthy fat sources for breakfast. And then in the lunchbox, we also want to make sure we're including some protein. So, that could be some meat from the leftover from the night before, some chicken or some meatballs or some fish patties that we might have cooked up for dinner the night before, we can include those in their lunchbox. Um, some eggs is a really good option in the lunchbox as well, whether that's in a sandwich or a wrap or a quiche or a frittata, something like that. So um, we want to be making sure that protein is contained within their breakfast and lunch. Really important to keep their concentration levels stable throughout the day. So the next thing I want to talk about is those micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals, and the ones that are, that, could, that you particularly want to be thinking about when it comes to concentration and learning in our kids. So we need to understand that There's a lot of nutrients that are needed for neurological health, for learning and memory, for brain development and function in our kids. And some of the important ones are zinc, omega-3, iodine, selenium, B6, folic acid, and B12. These are some really important nutrients that are needed for proper brain function, brain development, neurological function, and health as well. And I do commonly see kids that are deficient in one or more of these nutrients in terms of their their diet just doesn't have the amount of these nutrients that they need. Omega-3 is probably the first one to think about. A lot of kids are just lacking omega-3 in their diet. We need to eat fish three to four times a week, oily fish, three to four times a week to meet our omega-3 needs. Most kids are not doing that. So one thing you can definitely do is increase fish and seafood in the diet. And that can certainly be a combination of fresh fish and seafood, but also you can consider one or two serves of tinned fish a week as well to really make it more achievable to try and get these omega-3s in tuna is not a great source of omega-3 sardines mackerel and even tinned salmon are much better than tuna so that's a little practical note and so you know if your kids are fans of tuna a a first step can be to um, replace tinned tuna with tinned salmon because it is going to be a better option for those omega-3s. And if you can, tin sardines or tin mackerel are even better. They're really great options when it comes to omega-3s. They're also very high in iodine. And iodine is a really crucial nutrient when it comes to our kids' brain function. Lots of kids are lacking in iodine. And the food here in Australia, where we get the majority of our iodine from, come from comes from the sea. So it's fish, it's seafood, it's sea vegetables, um, such as seaweeds, like nori or wakame. And so we want to be thinking about how to get more of these foods into our kids' diets. As I said, we also want to be thinking about B vitamins, about zinc, about selenium as well. And so a good way to get more of these nutrients into our kids' diet is to think about a good quality multivitamin for our kids. And I will link in the show notes a blog that I have written and a Facebook Live that I've done on choosing a good multivitamin for your kids because this is a good um, foundation to make sure that your kids are getting enough B vitamins, enough zinc, enough selenium, enough iodine in their diet. So that could be a good place to start. Now, lastly, I want to talk about gut health. And this is a really important aspect and an often overlooked aspect when it comes down to our kids' learning and concentration. But when we're talking about these micronutrients and potential um, deficiencies in these micronutrients that might be negatively affecting our kids' learning and concentration and behaviour, then we need to be thinking about gut health because the absorption of these nutrients is dependent on healthy gut function. This is only one reason that we want to be thinking about gut health when it comes to learning and concentration. We need good gut function to be absorb- absorbing these really important nutrients from the food that our kids are eating. So, that is one reason we want to be thinking about gut health when it comes to learning and concentration, but there is definitely more to it. So scientists are now talking about the gut as the second brain. And there's really good reason for that because the gut and the brain communicate and work together. You may have heard about this concept. I've certainly talked about it a lot before, Um, in the gut-brain connection. So the gut and the brain are connected by a nerve called the vagus nerve, and we know that the gut and brain communicate with each other, and they work together for the well-being of our kids and for the well-being of us as well. That is if we've got a good, healthy microbiome, it will definitely benefit our kids' learning and their concentration. So the gut actually produces a lot of our neurotransmitters. So neurotransmitters are chemicals in the brain and they affect all kinds of things, our mood, our sleep, and also our memory, our concentration, um, and and certainly kids' behavior as well. So these neurotransmitters are often thought about um, in terms of the brain, but what a lot of people don't understand is the majority of them are actually produced within the gut. And so some examples of neurotransmitters are things like serotonin and dopamine and norepinephrine and glutamate and GABA. And these definitely have an effect, as I said, on our kids' memory, on their learning, on their concentration. And although there is still more research that needs to be done in this area, we know that the microbiome, the health of the microbiome biome can affect the production of these neurotransmitters. So in any kind of mood, behavior, sleep issue, we, we definitely want to be looking at the gut. And the same is true when it comes to learning and concentration as we're talking about today in our kids. So I think a really good example of this, and this is a lady you may have heard of, Dr. Natasha McBride, who is the founder of the of the of GAPS. And I'm sure you've heard about GAPS or read about it. Um, Gaps stands for gut and psychology syndrome. And Dr. Natasha McBride, as I said, is the creator of this protocol. And it's a it's a protocol to help heal the gut. And this protocol came about because Dr. Natasha's um, child had severe learning disabilities. And so she was a doctor and she came up with this protocol that was all about gut healing and promoting a healthy microbiome. And her child recovered from this severe learning disability. And and went on to thrive. And so it's a very popular protocol now. Um, And I think this illustrates how important the gut is when it comes to learning disabilities and behavioural challenges and mood imbalances in kids. And there are a lot of kids that have had great results from the GAPS protocol, particularly kids with learning disabilities, kids that are on the spectrum, kids with um, ADHD, dyslexia. And so this, that is what the GAPS protocol is all about, to benefit kids with these kinds of conditions and symptoms. And so if you want to know more, definitely look up Dr. Natasha McBride. She's got some um, great videos on YouTube. She's Her book, GAPS, is... Um, amazing as well if you want to learn more in this area. So I think that really just highlights how important gut health is for our kids' learning and concentration. Now, I just want to go into a few specifics that, um, in terms of how the gut and the microbiome can affect our kids' learning and behaviour. So when we're talking about the microbiome, it's basically all of the different microbes that are located within the gut. And there can be you know, healthy, good bacteria within the gut microbiome. There can also be pathogenic bacteria within the gut microbiome, and it really all is about balance. So everyone is going to have some pathogenic bacteria within their microbiome, but if you've got enough of the good guys, then that keeps the bad guys in check. But when we get a situation of dysbiosis, which is an imbalance in the microbiome, where there's an overgrowth of pathogenic Bacteria or pathogenic microbes. Candida is a great example of that, and that's a fairly commonly known term. But there's a whole range of different imbalances and um, different pathogenic bacteria that can overgrow within the microbiome. And this will generally be a, a, a product of, you know, diet, lifestyle, medication, stress, can all affect the growth of the good bacteria, which can allow the pathogenic bacteria to overgrow. So it's a fairly common situation in our kids. Um, But when there is an overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria, there is also the production of toxic substances. So basically, the pathogenic bacteria create or produce toxic substances and Um, It's it's a byproduct of their metabolism. But a lot of these toxic substances can affect our kids' behavior, our kids' learning, and much more. So if your child is beginning to go downhill in terms of their learning and concentration, or if they have a diagnosed learning disability, um, or they're struggling with learning and concentration at school, then dysbiosis is definitely something you want to consider, And you might want to look at, you know, getting some help from a qualified practitioner to help, one, diagnose dysbiosis, um, and two, correct dysbiosis. So this is not something you want to do alone. Uh, You definitely want to get some professional help from a naturopath or someone else that is sort of qualified and experienced to help in this area. And if you're looking for some help in this area, that's certainly something that we can help with here at Natural Super Kids. So you can head on over to our website and find details of our um, consultation options. And we offer online consultations. So it doesn't matter where in the world you are, we can certainly uh, look at helping. So the microbiome and that dysbiosis is an important consideration when we're talking about learning and concentration in kids. And I also wanted to mention um, gluten and casein. So gluten and casein are um, proteins from certain foods that we eat. Casein is the protein in dairy products. So all dairy products will have casein in them. And gluten is the protein in a lot of grains. So wheat particularly, but there's lots of other grains that contain gluten as well. So gluten and casein, as I said, are proteins. And in some kids, particularly kids with neurodevelopmental conditions, so kids that are on the spectrum, kids that have been diagnosed with ADHD, um, for some reason, unknown reason, um, a, a some kids don't break down the proteins, the the gluten and casein protein properly. And so these big proteins circulate around in the blood and they are thought to cross the blood-brain barrier. So the blood-brain barrier is like a filter and it, what it does is it keeps anything nasty out of the brain. Obviously, the brain is very important and also very vulnerable. So the blood-brain barrier is there to protect the brain. But in some people, some kids, some some general people as well, adults are included in this, um, these proteins from gluten and casein that don't get broken down properly can cross into the blood-brain barrier. And once in there, they can affect brain function. And so I wanted to mention this because it is definitely part of of gut health in general, um, that these proteins aren't being broken down adequately. And I think a lot of kids that do have gut symptoms um, do have problems with gluten and or casein. So if your child does have digestive symptoms or one of these neurodevelopmental conditions, you might want to just look at even trialing a period where you cut out gluten and dairy from their diet. Because I know from my um, experience as a naturopath, I have seen a lot of clients that have been transformed by removing gluten and or dairy from their diet. Not only does it improve Their digestive symptoms, but in a lot of kids, it can really um, improve their brain function, their sleep, their behaviour, their learning, their concentration. And I know this is not an easy feat to cut gluten and dairy out of the diet. It's definitely challenging, particularly for fussy kids, and that tends to go hand in hand with kids that are on the spectrum as well. So it is a challenge, I understand, but it is definitely something worth looking into um, in terms of improving the concentration and learning in our kids' So just to recap what we've talked about, those three main areas you want to be looking at when it comes to improving learning and concentration in your kids. And I'm just going to give you an action step for each of those to finish off. So number one was that macronutrient balance, getting the balance of proteins, of carbohydrates and of fats correct. So generally, we want to be including more proteins and healthy fats, which often go hand in hand together in food sources, in our kids' breakfast and in our kids' lunchbox. So to get started, I would choose either breakfast or lunch and focus on increasing the protein and healthy fats. So adding some eggs or some nuts and seeds to their breakfast and then, um, or I should say, adding some protein to their lunchbox, some leftover Protein, meat protein from the night before, or something egg based are good options. Number two was those micronutrients or vitamins and minerals and potential deficiencies or even insufficiencies in these in kids with learning issues or concentration problems. And so we want to be thinking about zinc and omega-3 and iodine and the B vitamins, B6, folic acid, B12 and selenium. But first of all, I would really focus on increasing the amount of omega-3 your child is consuming, whether that be through fish and seafood. Um, And we want to be aiming for three to four serves a week. And if that just is totally not doable for you, then you might want to look at an omega-3 supplement, a good quality omega-3 supplement. And number three was thinking about gut health. And so we want to be thinking about the microbiome. We want to be thinking about potential dysbiosis or imbalances in the microbiome. And we want to be thinking about those gluten and casein proteins as well. So there's a lot in that, but in terms of an action step to get you started when it comes to your kid's gut health, I would be thinking about um, getting in more of the good bugs to improve the microbiome. So that might look like fermented foods or cultured foods, such as yogurt or kefir or sauerkraut or kombucha. So planting those good bug seeds in the gut. If fermented foods is a no-go for your kids, whether that's because of fussy eating or you don't have access to those, those things or you're not willing to try them, Um, then maybe a probiotic supplement could be a good option for you as well. I like the combination of fermented foods and probiotic supplements. And maybe I'll do another episode talking about the differences of those things. But we want to somehow replenish our kids' guts with the good bugs. And I talk a bit more about this in our free gut health ebook, which you can download. I'll pop the link in the show notes to that one and in there i talk about more steps to improve your kids gut health as well so yes the the seeding part the getting the good bugs in there is really important but also we want to feed those good bugs so for more information on that part of it definitely download our gut health for kids ebook and you'll find the link to that in our show notes thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear from you. If you've been listening to the podcast or if this is your first time listening, then send me a DM on Instagram and let me know what you're liking about it, what you're not liking about it. If you've got any suggestions for future podcast episode subjects, I am all ears. I would love to hear you know, what you're thinking of the podcast and you can find us at natural super kids on Instagram. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. I will be back next week. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Head on over to our website, naturalsuperkids.com for the show notes for this episode as well as a whole heap of inspiration to help you raise healthy and happy kids. I'll see you next week.